two seconds from being on you like white on rice and a glass of milk and a paper plate in a snowstorm. I don't give a damn who you are. This is America, Jack. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Excuse me? Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? This is The Brian Suits Show. AM 770-KTTH. New word alert. Word. We have to get that nerd alert and change it to word alert. But uh, I, I don't know. Uh, how, how was the uh, the old hardball uh, program there at uh, Witsaga? The when, hardball program? Yeah, the, the b-ball, the old round ball. I'd say it's strong to very strong. <clears throat> um, and that's like the Whitworth Pirates or something like that? That's correct. Right, that's right. Um, and so... Um, what does my alma mater have to do with this? <clears throat> I just want to know, did you ever engage in court storming? Uh, defi- using a sentence, please? I know. <laughs> I, I, I'm learning that when, when you're overjoyed that your team won uh, an unlikely victory, because Wake Forest, the de- the Demon Deacons, defeated the the perennial powerhouse, the Duke Blue Devils, which are not even near powerhouse as they were when Kryzyzewski was coach. But anyway... They they felt it worthy of storming the court, which there, a lot of it's oh, happening. Storming this year. the court, yes, okay. yeah, I'm, I follow now. I don't know. It's not my. It's not me in Thurston County raising my hand, getting out of jury duty. That's because they accused me of when I left the skid marks. I was storming the court. It's dereliction of civic duty. Yeah, and guilty as charged. And so, um, um, you mean if being honest is dereliction of civil duty. Then you can lock me up and throw away Wasn't that when you were going to put the system on trial? (laughs) I was, I know. Well, so anyway, I didn't know this is such a big issue uh, because I was golden girl, Caitlin Clark, who's about to break the NCAA complete uh, either gender scoring record. Uh, Apparently they were running off the court. They were upset at Minnesota or something. And the the Minnesota people were charging on the cart and she, she collided with someone who was live streaming it, and they had their phone up to their face, going, "Oh, I'm charging, we're storming the court here in Minnesota." And she runs into Caitlin Clark. So this Duke kid, and they have a camera above. I guess it's the center, big, big, tall, seven foot, goofy looking kid. So the Wake fans are storming the court, and some kid blows. The seven foot center's knee out. I saw that collides on them. Brutal. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, on one hand, cost of doing business. Of course, you know, I went to Wazoo. We've never had to. We've never had the, so much joy that we had to storm the court. But except for until this year, how about that, huh? Um, well, I didn't know this, but I learned this year. Yeah, that the Cougs are on top of the last year of the Pac-12. I did not learn that. <laughs> um, but um, Yeah, in basketball, you're correct. But when fans storm the court or storm the field, it's actually a fine for that school. Did you know that? But by golly, the, the joy on those infectious smiles, you can't charge for that. Yeah, and blown out knees, apparently. But they're going to put a stop to this now that players are getting injured. Yeah. It's, it's not going to happen anymore. This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah, yeah. And and by the way, um, j- just to loop back to the 6 a.m. hour for people who are too lazy to uh, podcast, as we are tearing apart in our hot sports take uh, first hour during the fake hour, I was pointing out that if you break the NCAA all-time scoring record, including people who never had a three-point line, you're kind of a phony. And then I thought about that, uh, like in the case of Pete Maravich, who owns the NCAA uh, uh, men's scoring record, 
he had a Disney movie made about his life called Pistol because he was called Pistol Pete Maravich. And it's like, you know, he's out there shooting from the half court line um, in the middle of the night in the driving rainstorm. And the guy's love of basketball was legendary. And, and I'm Dennis Quaid, I'm sure, is involved somewhere. But anyway, that's that was the um, the movie. There was some game. And this this will tell you how, how much uh, sports have changed. Maravich once at Alabama, like, scored 63 points or something, and the Alabama fans stormed the court and carried him off the court. At the end of the game, they they crushed Alabama, and the fans were so amazed at what they were watching that they went, yay, opposition that just beat us. Let's carry out the court and throw you into a river or something. But anyway, true story. And that, that fast forward to 2024, now there's a three-point line. Maravich would be untouchable. The game has changed completely. And now when people storm the court, they're committing a felony, um, and and uh, the, uh, the that whole deal. But uh, we'll we'll see. But I mean, it's it's now it's one of those it's one of those opinions that you can abs. Everybody has a right to have an opinion on this. Which well, the darn kids, what are you going to do? Um, but on that, on my contention, by the way, that if you're if you're in the era where there is a three point line. Unless you go back with computer graphics and artificial intelligence and you award Pete Maravich 2,024 points, you can't break his record. And I don't care if it was uh, Pitana or, or, or Petra Maravich, male or female, people who played before the three-point line, should, should that book should just be closed, some would say. <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm telling you. Also, in this day and age in basketball, if you're on that Pete Maravich pace— and a male, you'd be out. You'd be doing your one and done, and then you'd be a Milwaukee Buck. I never thought I'd hear this many Pete Maravich references on a morning news show, but I will say this at DJ's. You didn't know who he was at uh, well, 6 a.m. It's apropos because just the other day I was at DJ's Sports Cards in Renton, and there's a Pistol Pete card no. for 100 bucks. And every time I go there, I look at it, and I go, I, I want to pull the trigger on this Pistol Pete card. I get it. And I think this is God's sign to me that you keep bringing it up Don't this touch morning. it. 100 bucks, bargain. I'm there. Right? I'm there. I'm a sucker for those. Where, where is it? DJ Sports Cards. Must must go there. Great establishment. Have you seen how Ikea wants to break out of their gigantic, faceless, Corporate warehouse, in other words, their brand, and they want to do smaller stores that sort of revitalize malls and things like that around Renton and around Seattle. I'm all for it. I'm 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 I for one, I'm all for it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because you would order online, and then there would be something like, "Well, I'm swinging by Fife. I'll pop in, and uh, the thing you want." And then you you walk through. Oh, of course, on the way to pay for it. You have to go through the maze of kitchen appliances and all that. And then I wind up buying half of them. Wow! Um, and all that. So, uh, a, this is this is happening. I, I again, for the record, I have no idea what they're doing in Oregon with the fin whale that washed ashore. Um, I'm sure it's what nature intended and the whole thing. But the skull of a marine behemoth has washed ashore on California's coast. Another fin whale. What's clearly happening um, amongst. Uh, oceanographers and sea studiers, whatever that name is, um, is that orcas are bouncing back on the West Coast to where this is what normal looked like. Um, orcas were the wolves of the buffalo herd. Um, orcas did to blue whales and gray whales and fin whales 
what wolves do to the sick, lame, and lazy at Buffalo or Elkhurst. That's what they do. And dead whales washing up, uh, they always, they they don't wash up because they had a heart attack. They wash up because they've been held down and drowned by orcas, uh, either off Oregon or off California or even off Washington. And then the yummy bits have been chomped off them and they wash ashore dead. And they wash ashore. I mean, they may as well have like Colonel Mustard's knife in the library, you know, with the candelabra or whatever. They they have clear marks of of uh, orca on uh, whale on whale violence is what I'm saying. And they're you know strictly speaking, they are the biggest dolphin. They're not whales. They're not cetaceans. They're smarter. And uh, so anyway, and so get get used to stinky beaches, folks. This is what it looked like. <clears throat> anyway, the base of the skull belonging to a marine behemoth washed ashore in Watsonville, California, in the NorCal, prop, uh, prompting curious locals to take photos and share with them. And you know what? Uh, a friend of mine sent a picture. Actually, did go see the dead whale in Astoria, and there's nothing more majestic and noble than a bald eagle. Until you watch it eat and what it eats and the whole thing. They don't always arc gracefully down and snatch a coho salmon out of the the pristine blue waters of the Pacific Northwest. Sometimes they land on a dead whale and just start picking. (laughs) It's really nasty pictures of, um, I mean, like, I don't know. It's it's, uh, washed ashore, rotting. And they're just going to let nature take its course, and and that's part of taking its course. And like sea lions coming ashore, debasing themselves, burying their heads into a into a dead fin whale, and all that. Anyway, uh, so those are those are your top stories uh, um, today. And uh, apparently, uh, a bunch of uh, spouses, and I I know. It, um, Football talk is off limits until we find out that the that, that certain football players' girlfriends or wives, not Tay Tay, um, stayed in a hotel notorious for bed bugs. Uh, so, um, ha ha. Um, and uh, checking local news. Well, guess who's not coming back? Uh, Boeing's corporate headquarters is not going to be moved from the Illinois. Uh, Boeing's board has killed a long-shot shareholder proposal that the company move its headquarters back to Seattle. Maybe that's the problem, is Seattle. The proposal was put forward to be voted uh, this um, this spring at the annual general meeting by 83-year-old old Walt Ryan, a retired Chicago business owner, a corporate gadfly, and stock market investor who owns 10,000 shares in the company. And where where was Boeing last we checked? A bunch. Oh, the stock? Yeah. Uh, it's had a tumultuous couple. So if months, you had ten thousand like. shares, that's a that's a harsh toke, and you'd be mad. Now why? Now okay, so he, the guy is a retired Chicago business owner. Why he wants to send it back here? I I, I don't know. It's trading at two hundred a share, but it's down from what's that times ten thousand? Two million? Uh, a lot. Okay. It was trading at two sixty in <clears> December. So, um, he bought the shares in December of twenty nineteen, right after the first seven thirty seven Max crash in Indonesia. So he's a bottom dweller. A man after my heart. Uh, when the stock was priced just under three thirty-seven, he assumed Boeing would quickly recover, as it will. Um, I unless because that seemed like a 
pilot error, bad accident. This has the 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 uh, the reek of systemic problem. And maybe if if I was at the corporate uh, meeting, I would say maybe dump that subcontractor, uh, subcontractor arrows, whatever it's called in Wichita, or buy them, buy them and put them under your immediate supervision. What what are the other? But I mean. People who dig down into the story find out that that door was non-put on, wasn't bolted on in Wichita, and that that ain't uh, the 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 broad uh, Duwamish um, and all that. Never did that tour. The red the red barn is still there. The haven't haven't been to the Museum of Flight in a couple of years, um, but the new acquisitions are significant historic aircraft. Um, I believe I do want to see it. Uh, uh, I love I love doing the walk around. Uh, Boeing, before World War II, you know, Boeing made fighters. Uh, they were a fighter company prior to World War II, the 20s and 30s, the biplanes and stuff like that. Really iconic aircraft. One in particular, the first all-metal monoplane in the American military was the P-26 P-Shooter, literally named the P-Shooter. And look it up. It's a good-looking plane. I, I, I maintain it's one of the best-looking planes of all time. And speaking of that, uh, well, what did I say about Masters of the Air, everyone? Um, the major players survived the entire series. You know Apple wouldn't do that to you. Um, and, you know, if, if you heard that um, easy company from uh, uh, 2nd Battalion, 509th Airborne, that they all died on D-Day, would you really have even started watching Band of Brothers? You know, well, well, the great thing about that was that the series starts off with them as old men. So you you know, before it even put names on them and stuff. So anyway, yeah, um, in Masters of the Air, uh, the, the highest paid, best looking guys, uh, they live. They live through it. So uh, there's there's that. So Did I'll you continue. watch an episode over the weekend? Um, yeah. Well, on Friday, because they released them on Friday. And my Starlink didn't go batty until around 6 p.m. on on Friday. But so I did. I got home and watched it. And uh, just like in real life, um, Buck Clevin and Bucky Egan, both shot down by the Germans, are captured by the Germans. But wait, there's more. They survived World War II. They survived captivity and came back to the U.S. and lived their lives. So, spoiler. So, I'll, I, there, I saved you 20 minutes of, of roll at the end of uh, the eighth episode. And, again, I'm reminded, this thing was such a big deal. It doesn't work in eight one-hour episodes. So This is why, in some <clears> regards, <throat> you and I are like oil and water. Over the weekend, I watched Sofia Coppola's Priscilla movie, which is now streaming on Max, about Elvis Presley's wife. Have you heard of that one? Yeah, I have. My interest level, nah. Pretty artsy. My, my math level, yeah. There's 100. not a single song by the King featured in it. It's not your typical <laughs> Shilla. affair. Does it, does it uh, cover him meeting her in Germany It's got, when well, she's 15 it, or whatever? So exactly, yeah. The first 20 minutes is Elvis courting her in Germany when uh, she's stationed over there with her family and he's stationed over there and he misses America but he kind of corners her and is uh, really attracted to this so, 15 year old girl. Uh, I like Deutschland. <laughs> it was a different time, Brian. Yeah, it was. It was a different time. And by, by the way, G.I. Blues, which he made you know a year or two after, after the Army. Good movie. Some good songs. Mm -hmm. Good send-ups of Germany. Mount Everest has a poop problem, everybody. Now climbers are required to bag it. Um <clears throat> The human beings, wealthy human beings, are ruining Everest as we speak because. Diarrhea. 
They're the one. Well, if only that would that would be less of a problem. They're the only ones that can afford to go on the Nepal side and uh, you know uh, grease various palms and pay permits to go up Everest. And and so traditionally, you stay at the highest base camp to get acclimated to get your body used to the uh, to the oxygen level and the whole thing. You're north of ten thousand feet. So you stay there for a couple of days or a couple of weeks, and uh, biology happens and uh, stuff. And then, never mind the weeks that you sent there, just going up the mountain is not a two-day or one-day thing, and no one can hold it. Uh, local officials with the Kumbu Pasolaghamu Rural REI logo something municipality uh, that's the body that governs uh, governs most of Everest and charges you. They work with the local waste management group, Sagarmatha Ramtha Pollution Control Committee. Um, okay, so we have to uh, we estimate weight here. Um, so keep in mind, hundreds of human beings, of normally healthy human beings, on the mountain. According to the Pollution Controls uh, Committee uh, for 2022, just spring, just right now until like June, how many pounds of poop on Mount Everest were removed? Okay, I'm going to give you duty. I'm going to say, uh, um, and and do and be sure to do your duty. What? Um, over under thirty thousand pounds. Oh lord! And you know, I wouldn't ask. I you. shudder to think. <laughs> Let's go with the under. Over thirty-five. Oh my gosh. Thir- I mean, that's 17 tons, right? Put it like that. You do the math. Um, I put it to you, Greg. 17 tons of number two on Mount Everest, uh, Mount Lutza and Mount Nipsa, the three peaks uh, in, in that range, not counting K2 or whatever, but 17 tons. When Tenzing Norgay and Edmund Hillary first <laughs> ascended to the peak. They, they were like cats. They, they buried they it. Know when they did their business, they were paving the way for thousands of tons of crap to make its way. To and the, you know what? The, the, the funny thing is that measurement, 17 tons, that's three decades. Because that was the first time it was cleaned as... Uh, surely, or as as thoroughly as it was uh, last time. Mount Everest needs a shower. Yeesh. And so they did shovels and all things. Because keep in mind, it doesn't decompose. It's it's uh, it's not a deer. I mean, this is, this is in Europe. There are rules here. And in the first place, salute. If you if you bear that part of your regions, you're another part of the regions. Good for you. I mean, it's going to be, there's not a time of year or a place where it's like, well, it's finally warmed up. I can go out and, and, uh, you know, drop a deuce or whatever. But 17 tons, it's, and it doesn't do anything. So, uh, anyway, and I say this because there's no other. It doesn't act as fertilizer. Probably no other market in America where it's likely that actual mountaineers are listening. Because this is, of course, uh, where John Krakauer, uh, did uh, uh, into what was the book into thin air or what was it? Sure, why not? Um, anyway, his book about the uh, a tragic uh, journey up uh, Mount uh, Mount Everest. It's just disgusting. It's and, like uh, somebody thing. else is trading turds, and you decide <laughs> I can't be left out. <laughs> oh, I gotta go drop a bitcoin. So uh, so anyway, and so I and and again, um, my powers of self uh, restraint are at straining level right now because. I know a super secret trick from from mountain winter survival 
a, a, a secret piece of knowledge about what happens and and how you do this in uh, you know uh, subalpine high high areas. And well, what, do tell. Here's here's the thing. <clears throat> um, you have to you have to clean yourself, and it's really important in the winter because you can't shower. So you have to keep the dirty parts clean and the whole thing. So you do not use the traditional Western material for the cleaning bit. You make little pie slices of snow with narrow points. Not kidding. That sounds painful. Here's the worst part. It works. And what do you do with it? What do you really do with it? Nothing. You leave it in the sun on the snow because it will decompose faster there. Um, and that's why friends that hike and like the, the great outdoors here in the Pacific Northwest, that's why you get Jardia outbreaks in the spring. I did not know that. Because deer really don't care where they go. And so what happens is first, warm, and I don't know if it's there's no snow for it to make a difference this year, but when, when you get uh, the first spring warmth, uh, you get a huge melt. And so you get rivers rising, the whole thing. But... Uh, up near their, their headwaters, you get a whole bunch of deer poo blooming into the rivers. And boom goes the dynamite. And you get Jardia. The, the little thing that looks like a voodoo mask, you get Jardia. And boom goes the Jardia. And you don't want that. It's a bad scene. Um, anyway, uh, back uh, in a second with a folksy anecdote about Abraham Lincoln and a, uh, a unforgettable quote. And we might get around to... Now, now I talked about this last, last week. You could fit 10 times America's homeless population in the empty, unsold houses and apartments of China. 60 Minutes did a thing on that uh, yesterday. But I guarantee it wasn't as good as the BBC one, but we'll, uh, we'll get to that. And I'm pimping the Poland guys, uh, his uh, pushback on the Russians uh, at the UN. But uh, you'll hear it. Oh, I promise you, you'll hear it when we come back and more stuff. AM oh, by the way, uh, I'm checking if you're texting 800-465-8770. Whatever's on your mind, if it's on our mind, we'll read it, and then you'll be fun and fitted and uh, the whole thing. Uh, back in a second, AM770, KTTH. Truly stupid, insidious, honestly pretty funny. He said, and I want to make sure I get the quote exactly right. He said, the better angel, he said, we must address the council and address the better angels of our nature. And we do and we do well to remember what else he said. He said, we're not enemies, but we're friends. Mm, I think that's an exact quote. What do you, this is what Biden was trying to say. When Chekhov saw the long winter, <laughs> he saw a winter bleak and dark and bereft of hope. Yet we know that winter is just another step in the cycle of life. He'd have my vote if he went there. From Punxsutawney, this is Phil Connors. Signing off. Signing off. Um, 
So, um, the RNC chair, uh, Ronald McDaniel, uh, is out, is Audi, Audi 5000, uh, Audi A4, Audi A3, uh, A4 diesel. What other Audis can you name? That's about it. That um, sums it up for me. Uh, A4 and A3 diesel, not available in the U.S., should have been. I love my, I rented an A4 uh, and mileage was phenomenal. My wife drove an Audi the first couple of years of our marriage, an old one that her German grandma used to drive, and the maintenance bills were astounding. That's what they say about overly complex German machines, ah. whether it's a Tiger tank or a, a Panzer division. Flipping <laughs> Q, uh, uh, what oh, am yeah, I? What do I have parked out there? A cute whatever. Anyway, it's overly complex. Though I mean, the batteries in the middle of the body. I mean, anyway. Sheesh. <clears throat> uh, anyway, Owen to Owen one. Well, so our uh, so she's out. Uh, Ronald McDaniel's uh, out. This has been building for a while. I just want to play something from uh, Fox and Friends this morning. Obviously, I've been talking about Ronald McDaniel, but Jennifer, it looks like the straw that broke the camel, camel's back was the reporting done by Jennifer Van Lahr. Apparently, there was $3.1 million in private jet services since 2017, $1.3 million in limited limits. Well, I happen to know Jennifer Van Lahr. JBL and I go way back, and we'll have her on tomorrow because she she's a great investigative reporter. And she dug into, and and she's the Republican's Republican, and, and she saw some of the crazy spending that was happening with your donations to the RNC and, and you know, tore the Band-Aid off, and she got all kinds of pushback, but she was right. And Trump saw it and said, this is crap. You know, renting planes? Why don't you just buy a plane? You know, and other Trump-like uh, statements and things like that. So anyway, uh, Ronald McDaniel is on, and I'll see if we can get Jennifer on uh, tomorrow, because, I mean, all she did was read the receipts, and... Um, if you saw what happened to the NRA in New York, you know, you, you know I'm, I'm, whenever, uh, you know, Governor Octopus Farm or whatever tries to grab your guns, I always point out that don't call the NRA, call the locals. Because the NRA, and, and this is, the word's been out on the NRA for a long time, that it is a giant money suck and they're really more interested in gun manufacturers. And that's great, but not really your state. You're right as an individual. And it's the same with, uh, you know, the, the National Party Committee. Most people, I think, and most Americans don't think of, uh, you know, that you're in a party. But, you know, the Republican National Committee is a party. And there's a there's principles of the party. And I remember way before I could vote, um, when Reagan was first president and I sent my money to the RNC and my, my mom and dad were just crazy barking Jimmy Carter uh, Democrats and I got back my little card. My I literally was a card carrying member of the Republican Party before I could vote. And on the flip side of the card, it said to help reinforce Republican values such as small government, personal responsibility, and the third one about foreign strength or, or whatever. But it was great. And I'm like, I'm hey, I'm for all three of those things. Um, I'm uh, and and I'm against uh, laziness because the Bible says so. It's against it. And so, but, uh, yes, yeah, so I don't know. I got to say, when, when when you're for not sending, uh, not not uh, uh, re-upping a authorization to help the Ukrainians kill Russians, yeah, I'm not for that. Um, 
But uh, as we check the checking of the texting, I am reminded of what the Polish foreign minister pointed out because the Russians are saying, when you're sitting there with an American journal, an alternate journalist like Tucker Carlson, and you say something like, and then the Poles declared war uh, on Russia or whatever, whatever the hell it was he said, then that bounces back and becomes, if you don't push back and say, eh, call me a bluff old traditionalist, but I'm pretty sure September 1, 1939, Hitler invaded Poland. And you don't, and you just gush about how clean the subways are or, or whatever, then th that uh, makes it part of the public record uh, in Russia. And the Polish prime minister had a thing or two to say about that. We'll get to that here in just a second. Text from the 206 in regards to the homeless man who built a cabin in a Seattle park. In Seattle, we only enforce the laws on those who look like they can pay the fines, the permit fees, license fees, etc. For instance, if your trailer has license plates and is fairly clean, don't camp at Green Lake or dump your waste into storm drains. If you're going uh, to grade a city park and build a home without a permit, don't show up in a 2017 Ram truck with current plates. <laughs> what has two thumbs and is not disagreeing? Me, me, me. <laughs> me, me, me. From the 907 on the South Carolina primary, why wouldn't Republicans within Nikki's 40% vote for whomever is the eventual Republican nominee? Oh, and two Republicans squared off in South Carolina. One, a former governor of the state, lost by 20 points even after Democrats and Never Trump gave it their best cynical shot. Uh, Biden was trying to quote Lincoln's inauguration speech, so it was months before the Civil War began. Can we can we check that? Uh, because because he had it written down. He didn't attribute it or whatever, but he's, he's standing in front of uh, a Lincoln portrait, not a $5 bill, and this is Saturday night. Everyone's in black tie, and here's time for the, the heavy... Uh, make, makes you think uh, Biden quoting uh, Lincoln about divisiveness uh, speech. Ready, go. You know, uh, stand here in front of this portrait, the man behind me here. He uh, he said, and I want to make sure I get the quote exactly right. He brings the piece of paper up in front of his face where the, the looking part is, the eyeballs. They go to the piece of paper. He said... The better angel, he said, we must address the council and address the better angels of our nature. And we do and we do well to remember what else he said. He said, we're not enemies, but we're friends. It's the middle of the, in the part of the Civil War. He said, we're not enemies, but we're friends. We must not be enemies. Folks, and I've been around. I know I don't look it. I've been around a long while. Self-deprecating age joke. Uh, nervous laughter. It was March 4th, 1861, and it was the last paragraph. Now that's of before World War I. first inaugural. It's probably one of the greatest pieces of writing in the annals of American prose. We are not enemies but friends. We must not be enemies, though passion may have strained. It must not break our bonds of affection, the mystic cords of memory stretching from every battlefield and patriot grave to every living heart and hearthstone all over this broad land will yet swell the chorus of the Union when again touched as surely they will be by the better angels of our nature. The better angel, he said, we must address the council of and I prefer He's trying A for effort A for effort <laughs> I prefer this version It was shorter Do we Do we clink yet? Do we clink our flutes? Said we must address The council And address the better angels Of our nature And we do And we do well to remember What else he said He said we're not enemies But we're I think he I think he got the spirit up. It rings 
true. Oh my god. <clears throat> um, you know what? No one's ever taught is a month before, as the union, as the music was stopping and everyone was looking for a chair, William T. Sherman was on the staff at what became LSU in Shreveport, Louisiana, and he sat, he stood up. You know, everyone's it was a like goodbye party for Sherman from people who had, you know, become the Confederate States. And like, all right, don't be back soon. And, you know, his name would be cursed in, in five years. But he stood up and said, don't do this, and here's why. And he listed out the reasons why they are about to lose the war. And they all laughed it off. And he was so right about stuff and why. Well, because he studied history. So I tell you, go back and podcast today's show and learn about purple dye and the Murex. Don't make me redo the Murex. Uh, back in a second. Um, and let's hear from the Polish... Uh, ambassador when we come back his w wagging finger his sharp tongue in english for the russian ambassador am 770 ktth throat live on the air am 770 ktth uh so i'm gonna see uh yeah the the woman who took down ron mcdaniel romney <clears throat> um with some investigative uh uh shoe leather i say we'll we'll get her on tomorrow on the show uh and speaking of and, and by the way uh, uh here's a couple of different texts to address uh, da -da -da, local seaplane pilot here, 206, uh, says this. Uh, John, according to the New York Times, I guess he's right. Uh, Boeing pulled the door off the airplane in Renton to service rivets near the door, and the people in Renton did not put the bolts back. And I, but I thought they had found some that came from Wichita where it wasn't fastened or, fa or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, I'll take your word for it, John. After all, you, you say on a text that you're a seaplane pilot. There you go. Um, and that, uh, yeah, I do understand that used to be actually a piece of Boeing <clears throat> and they spun it off. So anyway, good, uh, good idea there. So the other, the other issue that I'm, that let me just, uh, uh deal with, uh, here is what happened to Richard Sherman over the weekend is, you know, private business with him and the whole thing. Now I drive on 405 too. And I'm pretty sure uh, you're you're for it, or are you against 405? I'm all for it. Um, and your no your traffic. kids and family, yeah. And and it was whatever two thirty. You know, obviously he, you know, no one no one should do a glug glug vroom vroom. Um, and what's what's in, and he spent a long weekend, you know, in the Hooskow, uh for that. And, and he's so now a repeat offender. Yeah, and um, hope hope he can get help and maybe hire a. Oh, driver or uber or something like that i'll say this a buddy of mine who had 
that problem in college. I mean, to the point where he's out running cops and stuff like that in Moscow and Pullman and Ellensburg. <clears throat> um, what it took for him was it was uh, like Labor Day, and he wrapped his turbo rabbit or golf uh, around a phone pole on Bell Red Road. And he goes to jail on Labor Day on Friday night, and he can't see a judge till Tuesday morning. And he said by by Monday night around 9 p.m., he was over it. He was going to whatever it took to never be in jail again. Uh, that was him. And um, and so, I mean, not everyone I, – I wouldn't say it's everyone's uh, therapy, but, man, I, I – I, 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 I got to say, but, but I mean, you're putting me at risk and Greg at risk and all of Greg's kids and everybody else on, on 405. So uh, so I say that because I, I think I sparked someone's when – when I said Sherman's goodbye, someone said like Richard Sherman. And, and I don't I – like, I like him on Amazon Thursday Night Football. I think he's a sharp guy, obviously, you know, coming out of Stanford – um, I like his insight about Jim Harbaugh because he was he was done dirt by his college coach. So was Doug Baldwin. You um, should have uh, put it under the banner of Sherman's march to the penitentiary. <laughs> ouch, ouch! Because this is his. No, I don't. He, he had the DV thing, which is off limits on the radio. I, I I think. But was there a DUI involved with that? He should get well. In 2021, he was charged with five misdemeanors, <clears throat> uh, originally booked on suspicion of burglary, domestic violence. That felony charge was later dropped. March 22, plea bargain, uh, pleaded guilty to first-degree negligent driving. 2024, arrested in Seattle, suspicion of DUI. Ooh. The rap sheet is continuing to grow. But some people, if you're really good at sports or really good at commentating, seem invincible to run-ins with the law in terms of their career. He has a very successful career outside of playing in the NFL, and none of these legal problems have plagued him whatsoever. Um, uh, so it's time to renew the, his license. Will this be the straw that broke the camel's back? I don't know. I don't think so, but but man, I, I, I hope he gets well. But this yeah, is getting ridiculous. And I, I got to tell you, um, you do this stuff in Sweden, and on your second violation, you're never getting a driver's license again. There's not enough classes or like powerpoints uh, of you know showing um, accident scenes. Not, none of that crap. Well, anyway, I'll. Um, um, no, no time for uh, old timey um, uh, General Sherman uh, remembers. What about stories about Poland and? Uh, oh yeah, I can. And, and also, you know, a really, really moving quote by Abraham Lincoln, uh, our president, master. I just have to play this one you more know, time. Uh, I stand here and make sure I get the quote exactly right. Yeah, you got it. That's why it's on paper. That's why it's right in front of you on paper. He said. The better angel, he said, we must address the council. Well, I got the spirit of it. Um, Everyone is now dumber for having listened to it. So remember about a year ago, he grabbed his notes and turned them towards the cameras in the press room. And it and it said, um, you read citation. And then it was all caps. You read citation. You take two steps backwards. You stand and listen to widow. You know, it was it was the directions that the people in the press briefing room script out for him. And they don't know what they can do. I mean, they they do the they do the the phonetic uh, spelling. What was the one from last week? Oh, that's right. 
when when Yulia Navalny, when the widow of the now the late uh, Alexei Navalny, met with uh, with uh, Biden in the Bay Area, he called her Yolanda. Bakaria. He goes in the parking garage and said, "Well, you know, I met with Yolanda," and, and uh, but there's not. What can you do about that? I I don't know. I've got no idea. Unless I mean, unless it's like physically bring a clacker board and go cut. Okay. We're redoing it. But, uh, so, <clears throat> um, so anyway, the, um, the, the Russian ambassador to the UN went off on a fantasy land, a bunch of accusations parroting his boss, because you can't run up against Putin. After if Putin tells, uh, tells Tucker Carlson that, Poland invaded Germany, then that's the new history. That's how the Soviet, when you grow up in the Soviet Union, that's how it works. If Stalin makes a mistake and says, um, and when the Vikings discovered Belgium or whatever, then guess what? The Vikings discovered uh, Belgium. But anyway, Radek Sikorsky, the foreign minister of Poland, uh, begged to differ, and he was given an open mic, as they do at the UN, and he got to correct the record. I am amazed at the uh, tone and the content of the presentation by the uh, Russian ambassador, and I thought I could be useful by um, correcting the record. Uh, ambassador Nebendia has called um, Kiev the clients of the West. Actually, Kiev is fighting to be independent of anybody. He calls them a criminal Kiev regime. In fact, uh, Ukraine has a democratically elected uh, government. Um, he calls them Nazis. Well, the president is Jewish, the defense minister is Muslim, and they have no political prisoners. He said that Ukraine was wallowing in corruption. Well, uh, Alexei Navalny dem uh, documented uh, uh, how um, honest and full of probity uh, his own country is. Uh, he blamed the war on... He's being sarcastic. U.S. neocolonialism. In fact, it is Russia that tried to exterminate uh, Ukraine in the 19th century, again under the Bolsheviks, and it's the third attempt. True, true, true. He said that we are prisoners of Russophobia. And what he's isolating, by the way, is a Putin's predilection to be in love with this greater... Czarist Germany, pre-Soviet. When Putin writes an essay or draws a map, it's at it's at the height of Catherine II. I mean, there's parts of Turkey, all of Poland, part parts of Finland, which they they still stole in 1939. Um, and uh, Stalin was not Hitler's best bud and ally uh, when Poland was invaded. Putin will never he will he will brook. No concession. There's no, I mean, keep in mind, there was a time in 1940 until Hitler invaded Stalin that the French and British were trying, they were trying to figure out where the best uh, air, best uh, airfield was to launch a strike to blow up Stalin's oil in Azerbaijan. Um, and then luckily the, uh, the Germans invaded Russia, which Stalin knew they were going to all, all along. And then suddenly he needed everyone's help. And so I love getting in that debate with people who are like, oh, well, the Russians did all the dying. No, they got all the getting in line and, and until the Russians, until the Germans ran out of machine gun ammunition. So anyway, don't even disturb me on this. Um, New York Times of the Weekend with a 
Some say a blockbuster story about the cooperation between the CIA and the Ukrainians and the fact that it's gone back to 2014. Others say you should listen to Brian on AM770 KTTH because he's been talking about that for two years. And, and by the way, everything in the story uh, is spot on. I'm a, I'm a little surprised CIA uh, uh, is, is uh, letting it go public. But anyway, there's a lot more to it. And we'll try to talk around it tomorrow, but 6 a.m. only. And then no one ever podcasts it by typing uh, suits, uh, texting suits, S-U-I-T-S to 800-465-8770 or else you might be able to listen to it. So we'll try to get Jennifer Van Lahr, the reporter who tore the lid off the expense accounts, uh, the RNC. Where where was your money going? Uh, Ron McDaniel uh, announcing that she'll resign effective next month. Uh, this after Trump reading... Jennifer Van Lars reports uh, about the expenses and the, the money pit that the RNC has had, the vacations, the jet flights, the outfits, the makeup, all of it. Uh, so be here tomorrow, won't you please? Tomorrow will be day two of our five-day week. Uh, Greg, what, what are you going to wear? Exciting times. Probably the same jeans I'm wearing today. I bet you I wear uh, something wool. That's a safe bet. All right. We'll reveal our outfits uh, tomorrow exclusively at 6.15 right here on the Brian Suit Show AM 770 KTTH. You're good. I know. This is going to sound weird, but for a second, I think you took on the shape of a unicorn. I felt like I was hovering above my own body. Goodbye. Goodbye.